Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lord, we thank you for allowing us into your presence again this evening. Tonight, Lord, I'd like to talk a little bit about the way of you in the creation. Lord, the creation account of Genesis 1 is a marvelous text of scriptures. It is a testimony to you, and I would like to explain a little bit about how we have to look at the creation tonight. I I hope to keep this short because I've been running very long with the messages. But this is a message tonight, dear Lord, about how we need to look at the creation account to really begin to understand it. The first off is that you tell us in the creation, dear Lord, some very little key nuances that help us to understand the various things. I talked a little bit about them last night in regard to, you say, in Genesis, the first day of creation in Genesis 1, you say, in the beginning was the heavens and the earth. But then in day 2, you gave the work of the firmament of heaven, and you gave it the work to do of dividing the waters that go up from the waters that go down. And Lord, you tell us very clearly that we have to be washed by the water of the word to be made spotless and ready for the kingdom of heaven. So it's telling us, dear Lord, that if you're coming for us and you you rise up to the Father, it means that that is the waters that are separated up to the Father. That gives us a nuance, a way of looking at the creation. But there's something very subtle that we do not really pick up. And we need to think about it very hard when it comes to the creation. Because you don't do anything unless you have built the way. From the beginning, you, you, you do not let it go to where you do not establish it from the beginning. It's like people don't understand that the very last thing to depart is death. You overcome death. That means, dear Lord, that your work is a war. You are at war against darkness. You're going to cast out all the darkness. And you did it. You showed it to us in the way of you, which is what the first spirit of the Lord is the spirit of. I mean, the first day of the creation is the way of the first spirit of the Lord. And the spirit of the Lord is yours. You are zealous for truth. You are zealous for the light. You are zealous to bring forth the kingdom of God. And what do we do in the first day of creation? We separate the light from the darkness through the entrance of the word. You said, let there be light. Let there be light is Psalms 119, 130. Entrance of your words gives light. And that's the light of the of the spirit of God that's within us. And you showed it in Moses where he glowed. And you tell us in Daniel 12, 2 to 3, that we are going to shine like the firmament. If we shine like the firmament, the only part of the firmament that's going to shine is that which is left. Because all of the other parts, that part that goes in the waters that are separated below, go into the darkness. There's no light in it at all. So if we're going to shine, that means we've made it to the kingdom of God. We've made it into the one heaven. 
other words, you're going to, right now you have three heavens. You knew that that was going to be part of man. Man was going to fall. Man will be tempted by sin and we'll want to have our own way in the world. And we want to do without you as the people of the Crown Trust and all those are doing today. They only want to use you as a pawn to accomplish their works because they believe that their word cannot be stopped. But it already has been that they don't realize it yet that the power and authority has been taken away from it. You tell us this importantly, and I'll come back to that in a little bit here. But I wanted to describe what you told us in Luke 14. In Luke 14, when you're talking to the people, and you can really go from verses 25 to 33, but I'm going to read right now 31 to 33. It says there, or, is, or what king going to make war against another king. And remember, he says the ruler of the darkness or king of the darkness, king of the earth at this time is Satan. He will not be king over the darkness when he's cast out of the pit. There are many people believe that, that they believe that, oh, if we're evil, we can go to work for Satan in the pit and destroy all the other people. We'll have a good life there. We'll have a party. No, you won't. You'll be in the body of a worm just like Satan will be. Because even in Job, he tells us you've fallen. And in, in the book of Isaiah, you've fallen and you've become like us. You've become no power. Those that are in the prison when they see him come. So he's not going to have any power over them. He's just like them. They're being tortured. They're being punished. Satan will have no authority there. And he's already shown that because he's already lost his dominion in the second heaven. And been cast down to the earth beginning at the day of the Lord when the words were first opened in 2003. The light entered the world at that time. The kingdom of God entered the world. It says, or what king going uh, to make war against another king does not set down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise... Whoever you do, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. See, the Lord is telling us in John seventeen seventeen that we have to come out of the world and set ourselves apart by truth, which is the words of God. John seventeen seventeen. And he tells us in Ecclesiastes eight four that in the words of a king the power is found. So when Satan is coming, he's the, the dragon. He's considered to be the great dragon, Revelation twelve fifteen to 17. And the flood comes out of his mouth. What comes out of his mouth? Evil words. But what does Jesus tell us here in this? If you think about what the Lord is saying in this parable, considering that in Malachi 3, 6, Malachi 3, 6, he tells us that he is God. He cannot change. God can never change his ways. So if he's saying, this is the way I prepare for war, which is what he's saying here, this is what the king does. He is a king, remember. John eighteen thirty seven. he came into the world and he was going to be king. The, even the disciples were talking about when he sits upon his kingdom. But the people didn't want him at that time. They didn't choose him. And you have to choose between the devil and him. You have to choose between the world's powers or his. The people of Israel wanted to negotiate and get along with the leaders of Rome. That was the problem with the rabbis. They loved their positions. They loved their authority. And they had their nice little niche life created. And they had built this great Herod's temple. They thought they were mighty. 
Today, we have preachers that build these great churches. They have missionaries. They have um, schools. They have universities. They have human resorts. They got gymnasiums. They got schools, uh, colleges, and so on. And they got private resort homes. And they even have homes and resorts with hotels on them that they bring in uh, politicians to come in and negotiate with them and talk to them and gain favor with them, even though the Lord told them. In Revelation 18, 1 to 4, at this time, you're not to be of these leaders of the world. Come out from them. I heard today of a Christian man who's, who's going to run. He's thinking about running for Congress. When the Lord tells you to come out from all these leaders, he doesn't say join them. This government's over with. This beast kingdom's done. It's finished. It's just a walking dead government at this point. It's over with. They have no power, no authority of God. And I'll point that out to you in a second. Well, what I want to point out here, and let me just make this point, why I read this Luke 14, 15 to 20, uh, 25, to th- excuse me, 31 to 33 was the verses I read to you. And why that's important is I'm telling you that in the beginning, since God doesn't change his way, the whole creation account is including the creation of everything that had to be made to overcome the devil and bring forth the singular heaven, which is why he called the firmament heaven, and he mentions heavens in in Genesis 1, the first day, Genesis 1-1. But in Genesis 1, I think it's 8, uh, I can't remember the verse right now, but anyway, he tells them, might be 6 even, he tells them that he called the firmament, um, it's in the second day, he called it uh, heaven. He gave it the name, the work to do of heaven, as I talked about last night. But what that's really telling you is that this is a battle plan. Genesis 1 lays out the battle plan. If you think about it, how is the battle going to be if it's not fought against the words because the power of the devil and the power of the Lord is found in his words. So Genesis 1 has to be written in the pure language of the kingdom of heaven. So the words that are in Genesis 1 and the ways of Genesis 1 is regarding that that format. And everything he puts in there, if we will look through it, he calls it all good. Meaning it's all of the light. We messed it up. We, we allowed darkness to enter into all these things. And we became of the darkness. He tells us in Luke 21, 34 to 36, that all of us at this time are of the darkness because we have a snare. In, a, in the kingdom of light, you have no snare. We have prophets, we have preachers, we got people that are doing mighty works, but we forget. We forget to look at the dollar bills in our wallet. We forget to look at the statues of Noblesque and everything else in our capital cities and the state capitals and over top of our mercantile trade exchange. Over talk, look in London at the exchanges there, and you got a dragon looking down on the commerce area. The market trading area. You have two dragons on the seal in the city. You got dragons on on pillars at the entrance of every road into the into the main city of city of London, which is a sovereign nation that rules over all the world. It rules the Vatican. It rules all those things. The Vatican is underneath the Crown Trust. I've sat in meetings where the, where the Vatican is the people of the Vatican is negotiating with the Crown Trust for financing and so forth. They're not over the the Crown Trust. They're under them. The Pope, in his position, is greatly used by the Crown Trust to bring forth their one-world religion that they're trying to bring, which does away with Christianity, by the way, and brings forth this man-made, no-eyed laws, which are no-eyed morality laws. And you're going to see now what they've been doing for years and years. They've been burying artifacts, and now they're going to start bringing all these artifacts forward, trying to dispute the Bible in every kind of way. 
giants, all kinds of things like this. I've been working for years to put these together. Yes, there were giants. In those days, there's no aliens. And, uh, you know, the the devil and his dominions are here on earth. They're not coming out of the pit. There's nothing going to open up a hole in the pit. They have no authority over anything outside of the second heaven, and they now only have authority on earth because they've been cast out of the second heaven. They have no authority to call anything forth from the pit. Satan has no authority over the pit. Only the God does. Only the Lord. So... We have all this deception going on and leaders are falling for it. Churches are going for this. Oh, we have have to agree with the creation that there was millions of years and all these kind of things. It's all false. Genesis 1 is exactly correct. It's written in a pure language of God that cannot fail. Just because the world is not yet recognizing his pure language because they don't understand there's a need for it, they're really no different than it was at the time Jesus came the first time. He came to make his words known. They rejected the message. He came to bear witness to the truth, he said. For this cause I was sent into the world. And what did he say? Because they rejected him, what did they do? They lost the kingdom. How? What was the kingdom? They didn't have a kingdom at that time. They were underneath Rome. They were servants of Rome, slaves of Rome. But he came to offer them the words of God by which all things are made, including kingdoms and dominions. Because in the words of God, the power is found. And we fail to recognize this. Ecclesiastes 8.4 Now I want to point out that Jesus said he was a king. So that's important for us to understand it because it tells us in Colossians 1, 15 to 17, that by him all things were made, and they were made for him, and they were sustained by him, and it, he did it by the word. In the beginning was the word. John 1, 1 to 5 tells you about this. And Jesus says, I am the truth, I am the way, and I'm the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, John fourteen six tells you in John 6, 63 that he's, and he told you in John 8, 43 to 47, he came to speak the words of God that he heard from heaven. John 3, 30, uh, John 3 uh, 26 to 36 tells you that. Jesus bore witness to it. And he says, the reason you can't understand my speech is because your father's the devil. I try to tell people this today. And man, they scream and holler. Listen, I'm not perfect in any way. And I got to be refined and made white before I can ever go to heaven. All of us have to be. That's what he says he's going to do for us. John, uh, Daniel 12, 9 to 10. But the first thing we've got to do is recognize there are words. Second thing is we have to do what it says in Joel 2, 12 to 20. If we're going to let the bridegroom come, see, the bridegroom's going to come. There's a fixed time where he's coming and he's already started that journey. He's on his way. He's actually calling out already. People won't hear. He's already been given the throne. Let me um, digress from that a moment. I want to go to something that would tell you this. And I highly encourage you to read Isaiah 59, 1 to 21. If you will listen to what he's saying there, it's because for the truth fails. What is the truth? John 17, 17 is the word of God fails because we will not see it. We will not receive it. We're too arrogant, just like the people that came out of Egypt. It's like the people in Jesus' time that rejected the message. But Paul says in Acts 28, 28, that the Gentiles will receive it. Our appointed time to receive it is discussed in Daniel 12, 4. It's discussed in Hebrews 10, 26 to 27. It's told us in Daniel 9, 24, that in the time of the seven-year reign of Christ, we have to accomplish that message of Daniel 9, 24, which includes anointing him as king. 
and making an end to our transgression, an end to our sins, and making reconciliation for our sins, which is the only way we can do that is to do good. We have to gather together, stir up love and good works for one another through righteousness. And we cannot do that if we don't understand how to enable the good works. Genesis 1 is recorded in the way of the words of God. And he said this is the evening and the morning. He's telling you this is the way of the words. In the evening he teaches, in the morning the words are manifested. I explained to you Psalms 49.14, which tells us that he's coming for the upright in the morning of the day of the Lord. We are in the morning. But in Daniel 7, 9 to 14, he tells us that the Lord is going to be made king and, the, and Babylon has fallen. Babylon, the leaders of the world, have already fallen. They are holding position illegally, unlawfully, however you want to speak of it, by the Bible. The Bible says that in the winter time they must come out because the winter time is the season that's discussed in Daniel 7, 11, and 12. Because we know that he's coming as the son of righteousness in the morning time, which is Malachi 4, 2. And he tells us that he's going to deliver the righteous, the upright, in the morning, Psalms 49, 14. And he tells us that the, the judgment is going to be of those in the night, which is Luke seventeen thirty four. And John 9, 4, 5, he says he's going to take the light away from those of the night. Now, in that, remember what it says in Daniel 9, 24, when Gabriel's explaining all this, 22 to 24, he's explained that there's 70 weeks. And he's telling us that the last seven years of that is a very important time. That a time, T-I-M-E, in the book of Revelation, it's not one year, as many people have taught, because they've tried to cause that to fit within the time of the Antichrist and all that, and that's not listening to the fullness of the Scriptures. The Antichrist is three and a half years of time, but that's the half time that's at the end of the time of times, and a half time, a half time is 42 months. A time is 84 months with seven years. We are in the beginning of the seven year. It started with spring. But the winter of this year, as I've been crying out and telling people, making it known to them according to the scriptures and the testimony of the prophecies that the Lord is speaking at this time, and according to what he says in um, uh, Daniel 7, it says, listen, listen to what he was saying here. He says, I was watching in Daniel seven thirteen. he says, I was watching in the night visions. See, during the night, he's talking about the way of visions describing the night. The night, we have to understand that the Lord says he's going to come uh, in Zechariah 14, 7, or 6 and 7, tells you that in the evening of the day of the Lord, there shall be light. And in the night, it'll begin to darken. But see, the Lord breaks his days up in the evening, then night, and then morning, and then day, which is the afternoon. We also consider day to be the sunlight. We also consider the day to be the 24-hour. We have to understand that's on purpose so you can see that there's more meanings to these things if you search it out. He says we have to rightly divide the word of truth. Paul teaches us that. So what he's telling us here, this is a night vision. And then he tells you in Isaiah 21, where he tells you that Babylon's already fallen. He says the same thing and when the light shines on the world in Revelation 18, 1-4. He's telling you that Babylon's fallen immediately when the light comes. He tells you in Revelation 12 that the same time that the devil is cast down, and he's cast down for a period of a time, a times and a half time, that's 24 and a half years. 
He's on the earth because he'll be here until the end of the uh, the Antichrist time. But his leaders, his servants, are going to be punished for following him. And that's the fifth beast kingdom that we have now. In Daniel seven twelve, it tells you that that one's going to be destroyed during this time of the judgment. And then the other two will not have their dominion given to them for a season and time. That's a winter season and a time of seven years. I've explained that many times from the scriptures and showed you how you come to collaborate that from the book of Revelations and so on from the scriptures. It's easy to calculate. So what he's telling us here is this. And he tells you in Luke 17, 34, I tell you in that night, there'll be two men in one bed and the one will be taken and the other will be left. But when you go to Isaiah 21, and you look at verses 10 to 12, it says, O oh, my threshing and the grain of my floor, that which I have heard from the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have declared to you the burden against Duma. He calls me out of Seir. Now, this is very important. Seir is here on the earth. Mount Zion is another name for the firmament. Mount Zion is to those that come to the firmament, those that are going to be zealous like Jacob. And he tells us in Isaiah 59, the people are going to be punished for the sin of Jacob. See, the people of Israel must go through the two stages that Jacob went through. They don't have the words right now. They're not of his kingdom. It was taken away from them, Matthew 21, 43 to 44. And they're going to get it back as he's going to bring a remnant back. He's going to sprinkle water upon them and cause them to have their hearts changed, a remnant, not the whole nation. They're going to punish greatly for not rejecting his word. But if they will turn, all those who will turn, all those will hear his word and call upon his name, which is the words of God, he will. Revelation 19, 11, 13 tells you that. He will save you. He will deliver you, Joel 2, 32. Anybody that will do this. But he tells you in Isaiah 59 that, you know, that he's going to punish those for the sin of Jacob. The sin of Jacob is zealousness. Jacob was totally zealous, even though he didn't have the birthright. He fought for it to get it so that he would not, so God would be glorified. Which is, if you read Joel 2, 12 to 20 very carefully, that's what he's saying to the Gentiles and the the remnant. He's saying you have to be sanctified. You have to weave and mourn. You have to be sanctified. And you have to sanctify the congregation. You're sanctified, John 17, 17, by setting yourself apart from the world by his words, not the devil's words. His holy words that have make all things, does all things, explains the whole scriptures. He told you in Luke 24, 44 and 45, when the disciples received the words, that he was able to cause them to understand the scriptures because the scriptures, the greatness and the wonderfulness of all the scriptures is opened up by the knowledge of his words that are within them. So what he's telling you in, in Isaiah 59 is that people weren't zealous for him and for Jacob. We have to go through that process of wanting to bring forth the kingdom like Jacob did so zealous. And then God gave him a new name. He promises in Revelation in the, in the churches, he says that he will give us a new stone and only he will know that name. In other words, he's going to give you a work to do and he's going to speak it to you and tell you. And only you will know as he makes it known to you what that work is going to be. Because when he says he's giving you a stone that no one will know his name but him. What's one, what is he telling you? That is speaking of the eternal kingdom. In other words, he's given you eternal life. Because the eternal life, we don't know what's there of God. He says, it's not even the eyes have thought about it or anything like that until that time. So we can understand that point. Now, he's saying that he's calling me out of seer. I mean, he's already taken dominion. 
The Lord has dominion when the judgment is coming in. And what does the watchman say? He says, what is the night, watchman? What is the night? And the watchman says, the morning comes and also the night. What sadness about that is it's a separation judgment. Those who are of the night, in other words, those of the world are walking in darkness, which is all of us right now. We have to come out to the light. Because the light is we set ourselves apart from the world as he tells us to do in Joel 2, 12 to 20. And we plead before him to save his people and so that his name is honored. Because he, all of us are deserving for punishment, but we don't want to admit that. We don't want to look at the currency in our pockets and say that this is paganism. Yes, it is. When you look at Washington and the Obelisk, it's paganism. When you look at the Obelisk in the capital, uh, I mean, the head, capital of Vatican City, you look at that Obelisk there in the courtyard, and that's, that's paganism. When you look at Statue of Liberty, the, the Cleopatra needle in, near Madison Square Garden, Cirrus on the top of the Mercantile Exchange, and so on, and the Senate building with the, with the pagan emblem that they have with the, the Liberator's cap on there, the French cap. All this stuff is man-made wisdom, man-made power, military power, a gold fringe on the, on the flag of the United States. I mean, it's under admiralty law, and it doesn't even hold honor to its people considered its people as non-living people that's what it really means because they're going by admiralty law which means that so we have to understand these things and we have to understand that we have to repent for all these things and uh, daniel when he showed us this and jacob uh, gabriel come to him and stuff what had he been doing he'd been pleading for his people which is exactly what the lord is asking us to do in uh uh, Isaiah, tw- I mean, excuse me, in Joel two twelve to 20. We have to do that, and then the bridegroom will be released. Then God will hear our prayer. He will open his words to us, and he'll drive the northern armies far away. The northern you know, the walls of the firmament are called the north. So he's talking about all these world armies because Satan's been cast down to the earth. But he will have no dominion over those with the wisdom, which is the words of God, the spirit of God, because his words come with a full measure of the spirit in them. Now, my point to this that I'm rambling on here about, is that God, from the very beginning, was at war with darkness. He separated the light and the darkness, and we messed it up. He's got to come again and do a separation judgment to set apart those that are going to enter his kingdom, and then he's got to wash them and refine them so they shine like light. That's the same work of creation. What he's telling us is that he did it and he was at war from the beginning and this is the way. That's why it said, I tell you, it's the way of the seven spirits and the seven days of creation, the six days plus the seventh day of the rest, which is the fear of God and the teaching and remembering all his great works. Remember, even after the millennium, the children born then, at the end of that time, there's going to be people who fall away when the devil comes back and tests them for just three and a half years. He says he's going back for a short time. Short time is 42 months. If he comes back at that or around 40, uh, excuse me, a short time is 21 months. Because um, a short, it's either going to be 42 months or it's going to be 21 months. I believe uh, he's, it's, it's addressed like a little while, which is like 21 months, which is like about a half an hour, which is what he does in, in Revelation 8, uh, 1 to 4 which is an hour is 42 months because there's two hours in a, in a, in a day in a uh, time. In other words, 42 months equals, he describes it in the book of Revelation, 42 months equals one hour. So when we understand that, we know that a time or a day, not, excuse me, a time, I'm messing you up here. 
A time is seven years. A time is 84 months. A time is then two hours, which matches the day. The day has the evening, the night, um, excuse me, yeah, evening, night, morning, and day. <laughs> Each one of those are seven years supposed to be, but he's going to cut the afternoon short. So it's only going to be three and a half years long or 42 months long instead of 84 months long. Because if he didn't do that, the people would be able to do it. Why would that be? Because he has to establish his council. That's why he can't let it go past three and a half years. He's got to stop it at that time frame. So, because the fourth spirit is his counsel, and he has to overcome the devil's counsel and not destroy him at that time. Um, see, the devil had to leave him after three testings. If he stayed for any part of the fourth testing, he would have been destroyed. That's what you're going to see in, in this time. He's not going to stay for four years. He couldn't even make it past the four years because the fourth year is the counsel of the Lord. What's the counsel of the Lord is his judgment on him. So he wouldn't be possible that the afternoon would be extended to the full seven years because it, it's coming to judge the darkness at that point completely. I hope you can re-listen to that a little bit and you'll be able to understand what I was trying to say. Okay, I'm not going to keep long here. I just wanted to point out that the creation story is told by a God who prepared everything in the creation for a war against darkness to overcome it. That's why you have heavens, and that's why you have heaven. That's the work of the firmament to separate the waters that go up and the waters that go down. And we have to understand this. Now, the Lord tells us, and people don't understand the very important thing about water bap- baptism, but it's extremely important. <clears throat> the Lord tells us that we have to put on the... Um, I was looking here for something I wanted to point out. I'm not seeing it right now, which is um, the water. Let me see if I can just catch it here. Um, yeah, just I, I don't see what I was looking at right now, and I didn't make a note of it. I'll, I'll touch it on it the next message uh, about the water. But they, the Lord is telling us, if you look back at this, uh, when you look at uh, Isaiah 59, and you look at uh, verses like 14 through um, 20. Um, it's very important for us to look at that and understand what he's talking about there. Because he's telling us in there, you know, he put his words, which I put in your mouth. He did that from the beginning. But when we come back to him at this time, he's why he's sending out the fishermen, these words that have in us, he's going to cause them to come forth. But this time he says, they shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants from this time and forevermore. See, there's going to be people born in the in the uh, millennium uh, at this time. And so what he's saying, if we will do this, if for me, this is my covenant with them. If we will do this, we will come to him. The word would stay there. But see, Israel didn't do this. They rejected him. They lost the kingdom, Matthew 21, 43 to 44. And the Gentiles are in jeopardy of losing the kingdom at this time. The lukewarm church, uh, you can call it a church, it's supposed to be the called out assembly, but they're not called out because they're not listening to the voice of the Lord that was sent into the world to bear witness to the truth, which he tells you in John seventeen seventeen is the words of God. And he tells us in John eight forty seven that if we will not hear the words of God, we're not of God. So how can we be of, in the eternal city if we're not of God? Because God is going to reign with us. So it's telling you you're going to be cast out. We have to understand these things. It's serious. See, he's telling us 
in in this part here, and I, I think I'm going to let this go till tomorrow night because I'm going to talk about some verses like Ephesians one thirteen to fourteen, where he tells you about um, the hope of salvation, uh, the hope of our uh, you know resurrection or our eternal life is the word of truth, the seal of the word of truth in us. See, the Lord is raising up to give us the great sword. The sword is going to go against those who are against him because he's fighting a war of darkness. But he's going to give the people with the word, the sword, and he's going to seal them. When he gives you the sword, what he's doing is what? You don't need to take a physical sword and go battle the enemy. What you're going to have is the Lord is going to touch you like he would knight. You know, you've seen the queen and them anoint people. They're going to walk with one shoulder. It's going to be an anointing. God is going to put his sword on you and he's going to anoint you. And he's going to change you all the way down. That's what he's going to do when he writes the words in you. That's the great sword of the second seal judgment. That's what he's talking about. But to the enemy, it's going to be the word of God. It's going to punish them because he's going to pay them recompense. And he tells you that And if you go into this thing, in Isaiah 59, you read the whole thing. That's what he's all talking about. He's talking about his enemy. And that's what I was trying to tell you. The Lord has an enemy. The enemy is darkness. The enemy is the words of Satan. The people follow the words that Satan speaks to them and, and the things he shows them, just like Jesus showed us his words, spoke to us his words, tried to give us his words, but we reject it. We don't believe there is such a thing. We don't believe these things, but it's clearly written in all the scriptures and testified throughout it. And I pray that we'll begin to come to know that. Let's end here, and we'll come back tomorrow night. I just wanted you to understand the book of Genesis 1 is a book that is about the war of light and darkness. And there's clues in there that tell you that God made everything from the beginning to the end. Because he says those are the waters that go up from those that go down. He's telling you that the heaven, everything that's going to be in the eternal heaven is already prepared. That's the way of the king. He prepares everything. See, when you, when you go and look at uh, Luke 14, let me just finish with this real quick. It says here in uh, verse 28, he says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, and whether he has enough to finish it? He's going to build the eternal kingdom and do all those great things God has prepared for those who love him. The word is he's prepared. From the very beginning, everything was made not only for the punishment of those in darkness, but also for those that are going to come. So when people look at the book of a testimony of numbers that I've written and show you the, the design of the creation that's there, please understand that that's the way of God that cannot change. And Jesus is telling you here in Luke 14, he says, which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? He said he'd numbered the host and called them all by name, which gives them the work to do in the appointed time, even in eternity. He says it hasn't been shown to man what God has prepared, but Jesus knows because he knows all the particles that are there. He might not know everything. God's going to continue to show him great and wonderful things. But he's been given dominion over all things, which would lead you to believe he understands them. He has to, to speak in full truth. That's what I believe. So it says, For which of you intend to build a tower does not sit down and first count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Lest, after he has laid the foundation, what did he do? Foundations of the world. Before that, he made the words, which is what was required to do this, because all things are made by his word. All his works is done in truth, which is the word of God. And in Colossians 1, 15-17, and John 1, 1-5, he tells you, it was by the word all things are. 
So this man began to build. It says, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king? I already discussed that one with you. I'm sorry, I'm on verse 31. But you get the idea, building the tower. He's building the kingdom of God. That's why he showed you when he came out of Egypt, what did he do? He had the pillar like a cloud, a tower, pillar of fire. And, you know, what's that pointing to? That's he pointing to the eternal plan of God. Because at the end of this, he's going to do what with the earth? He's going to do what? He's going to cause the whole earth to be on fire, which is the word of God reformatting everything in the earth. So eternity will be put in immediately when that fire hits it. So we need to understand God's going to do it this way. This is the way he always does these things. It's a marvelous way, and God never changes. So we can understand, if you look at Genesis 1, look at it, please, a different way. Look at it as explaining to you everything from the beginning to the end, even the things we don't know, the things unseen, things we won't know until after the millennium. I thank you, and Lord, I pray you'd help the people to understand this great word of yours. And Lord, I pray you'd confirm it, or dear Lord, give correction. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.